Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2, the safe space created for Black women by Black women to strip away the taboo of talking about mental health. You'll hear from mental health professionals and advocates as well as Black women sharing their experiences as we break down the complexities, explore ways to heal, and support each other. My name is Ashley, I'm your host. Whether you're a seasoned regular or this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for your support. Now let's get into today's episode. It's Ashley, and this is the Black Girls Have Anxiety podcast. Welcome back to another episode. Um, um, as always, I'm excited to get into this episode. I just really like, I, I love all the guests that come on this episode. And this particular topic that we're going to talk about today is one that I've been, I've been wanting to talk about for a really long time. And so the in, internet, Instagram algorithm worked its magic, and I found the right person <laughs> to <Hey>. talk about. <laughs> I'm the right person with great energy. Um, today on the podcast, we have Piera Brown. So welcome to the pod. Yay! <laughs> thank you for having yes. me. Yes, thank you for, um, you know, like getting together on a Sunday to do this. So I, I appreciate mean, you that. know, lazy Sunday. What better time to just talk yeah. and, you know, enjoy ourselves. Exactly. Um, me and Pierre are basically like best friends now. We've been trying to work through uh technical difficulties for like 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, so- <laughs> it's still a little questionable. If you hear a little clicky click, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so no, she's been she's been really great, really patient um uh, working through that. But I'm excited because uh, Pierre is an art therapist. So let me give you a little background on her. She graduated in 2016 from the School of Art Institute in Chicago. Um, she's been practicing as an art therapist for six years and currently works in a behavioral health hospital. So art therapy and like the creative therapy um, is something that I've been super interested in. But I'm going to be completely honest with you. It's been really tough finding a Black woman um, that also wants to come on the podcast <laughs> to talk about <laughs> talk about art therapy so I'm really I'm really really happy that like the stars align and this is this is happening but before we get into the meat of the episode mm-hmm. you know we got to get to know a little bit more about you if you are new to the podcast well welcome welcome to the club if you are here all the time you already know that this particular section I've been trying to find a new name for it for a really long time. So it, I've called it icebreakers. I've called it like rapid fire questions. I hate both of those titles. <laughs> I finally came up with a new title for this segment. Okay. And I need like a little clapping thing, but I still don't have that yet. But this segment has officially been renamed Fast and Curious. Oh, I like that. Thank you. Thank I like you. that. It only took me like two years to make it out. <laughs> the best stuff takes time. It takes time, right? So Fast and Curious um, is our three-minute segment where basically I ask our guests, I ask Pierre a bunch of questions. She gives me, if it's a quick answer, that's fine. First thing that comes to your to your mind. Or if there's a little story behind it you want to share, feel free. Oh man, I'm nervous. Okay. Don't be nervous. It's okay. It's a safe space. <laughs> still nervous. <laughs> it's just three minutes. It'll be over before it begins. Whew. All right, hold on. Take a little sip okay. and let me know when I you're ready. My little sip. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right. How do you like spending rainy days? Watching a movie. Ooh, what kind of movie? Horror or sci-fi. Horror sci-fi. The combo is great. Okay. What's the last <laughs> horror movie that you watched? 
the last I started rewatching the Halloween, like the new Halloween stuff mm-hmm. in preparation for Halloween. Was Halloween dead? Halloween gone? I don't know. The new Halloween that was trash. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the Terrifier? Okay. I list. I listened to like podcasts, like horror podcasts, and they were reviewing Terrifier, and it mm-hmm. sounded so interesting. But then also they have Terrifier Two, which yeah. is like a, has a bigger budget. So I'm like, I need to watch Terrifier. Yeah. It's so creepy, and I don't know if I was prepared for a creepy clown because. Yeah. It is fine, but like t- the terrifier clown, it's all yeah. the level. The terrifier level. is like definitely next level, less CGI, more like it's it's definitely lower budget, but that's almost scarier because it feels realistic. Yeah, and I I'm like I don't know, but then also it's like the lower budget, so I was hesitant because some low I like some lower budget horror movies, but then some are kind of corny. But listening to the horror podcast, I don't remember which podcast it was that I was listening. I think Pod Mortem. Mm-hmm. They were talking about Terrifier, so I'm like, dang, I listen to it. I gotta watch it now. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You got to tune in. And I have, um, I'll send you some horror stuff after this. Um, I have a friend that uh, has a horror podcast, um, and I'm blanking on it. And Mel's gonna kill me because I don't have the name. <laughs> right now. But if you go on my page, I was just on her podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, she's a horror no- horror novelist um, and has an amazing Ooh. podcast. And I I'm a terrible friend because it's it's not coming to me right. You know what? I'm gonna be a good friend and I'm just gonna look it up real quick. Look at um, you. Yes, that's my girl. So hearts all around. Look at your best yes. friend, bestie. I got your back, bestie. <laughs> Okay, so the podcast is called Early Morning Stories, but morning is M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Okay. Yes. Um, so make sure you check it out if you if you like us and you like horror. I yeah, um, no, do definitely I, to, in the morning, especially like going to work and stuff. So yeah. Yes, yes. Love that. Okay. Um, because I could talk about horror all day, but let's get to the next question. Um, what's what emoji do you use the most? Um Oh, you can look at your phone. Yeah. I feel like, let me go look. Hold on. <laughs> Let's see. What emoji pops up? Okay. We have the cry face. So the first one is a brown heart, and then it's a cry face, and then it's the hand claps. I give a lot of hand claps. Okay. Well, and then nice. the face smash one. Yep. The top ones. <laughs> <laughs> the oh my God face one. I love that. <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing to cook? noodles noodles okay what do you current oh, no i lied no i lied it's fried eggs but okay. i said noodles because i always make noodles and then i have fried eggs but i make fried eggs more okay what are you putting on the fried eggs hot sauce like seasoning oh i season my fried eggs so we got the salt Same. pepper onion powder garlic powder and then i'll put some red pepper flakes and then i have this rice seasoning with like seaweed and some other stuff that's really good oh, on it and okay. then the country girl in me is about to say ketchup and everyone's going to be like, ew, that's gross. But ketchup is so good. Yeah, ketchup is really good. I put eggs. sriracha on my eggs and I season it with like rosemary, garlic powder, Ooh. like chili powder, cayenne powder, all that, all that good stuff. Okay. I love so that. You, someone was like, you season your eggs? I'm like, yeah, why don't you? Yeah, how can you eat them <laughs> naked? Like, <laughs> like, no. They are like the perfect thing to season because they, they absorb everything. They do. Oh, man, yes. And avocados if you season avocado right yeah it's so good oh i've put like everything bagel seasoning on it uh you yeah. know i've never i've never had like the seasoning by itself i've had the bagel but i never yeah. had the seasoning by itself 
it's really good like an egg on toast and like sometimes i don't want to go too crazy with the seasoning and i just do that and a little garlic powder oh really good I gotta give it a try now i gotta give it a try yeah. now <laughs> um if you have a choice on um, where you where are you going on vacation are you going to a beach a cabin or to a city i am going to i'm going to a city i'm going to a okay. city okay um what city i don't know Okay. I wanna I wanna go to Portland. Okay. At some point, at right. some point I wanna go to Portland. But any city because I get to walk around. I like to like walk freely and just like just randomly go places. Yeah. So you can't really do that on the beach or in the cabin. But in the yeah. city, you're like, I just wanna go out. It's sunny outside and yeah. just go and explore. I and just I, I wanna be cute and everybody see it. So that part. Yeah. You don't, <laughs> don't waste outfits. <laughs> I don't I'm like, no one's seen this. I'm gonna wear it again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I go to a cabin I've got, I'm not wearing like, I'm not pulling mm-hmm. out showstoppers. Like, just, yeah, cozy clothes only. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, last question. If you could invite four people to dinner, who would you invite and why? Now, these people could be famous. These people could have like passed on. These people could be like, I don't know, a cartoon character. Just anybody. Could be a friend. Okay. You said four people? Four people. To dinner. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to take my mom, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Angela Bassett. I was mm. just talking about her. Yes, I got to invite Miss Angela. Um, mm, oh my God, I need two more. I don't know. Yeah, anybody. Oh, I would say, what's her name? I don't know. No. This is hard. Any any like movies that come to mind or any like books that come to <laughs> mind? Any old friends you're like, oh, you know. I I would I would probably actually invite I would do Grace Jones. She'd be a good time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would do Grace Jones. Yeah. One because my cat's name is Grace Jones, but then also I feel like she'd be like just a hoot. Yeah. So yes. And then I need one more. To dinner? Ooh. Oh, I don't know. You you got somebody. I know you got somebody. I mean, you pulled out, like, your mom, Angela Bassett, Grace Jones. Like, I we did. got a great table right now, but we got one. Miss Tina Knowles. Okay, Miss Tina Knowles. I will, I will invite Miss Tina Knowles. I love that. I feel like it'd be, like, it's, like, just around women of, like, with wisdom, and but in different, like, areas and stuff. Yeah, different <laughs> perspectives. Like, yes. the outfits would be too. Like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yes. that's, that's such a good list. Thank you. That's why it was so hard because I'm like, oh my God, who do I want? And I didn't intend on it being all women, but it just worked out. Yeah. No complaints. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you so much for, for playing um the first official round of Fast and Curious. I feel good about that. <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I thought. No, it's not too bad, right? Um, So Pierre, we're going to hop into our mind games question segment. So Our mind game segment is basically where I read a definition of a mental illness or mental disorder to the audience, or just ask a question about mental health and give them little hints um, and give them like a little description. And then we come back to it at the end of the episode and give the answer. Got it. Chances are like most mental health professionals on this show know exactly what it is. So you can't blurt it out. Don't give them any hints. (laughs) I don't know if I will. I have not read the DSM in a long time. (laughs) <laughs> and I heard that DSM-5 is different than the last one. So. It is. I'm like, I have it. 
and I don't diagnose people. So I'm just like, oh, wait, maybe I might not know. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. So today for the mind games question, we are going, I'm going to ask you guys, everybody listening to name the five specific anxiety disorders. So just a little background, of course, hence the name. Black girls have anxiety too. We're going to talk about anxiety sometimes. Um, and the reality is all of us encounter anxiety in many forms throughout the course of our day, throughout the course of our lives. But the mechanisms that actually regulate anxiety may break down differently in a wide variety of circumstances. So that could lead to excessive or inappropriate expressions of anxiety. Anxiety, uh, an, an anxiety disorder may exist if the anxiety experience is dis disproportionate to the circumstance um, or it's difficult for the individual to control, or it interferes with normal functioning. Hence the anxiety that I have. Yay. Okay. Um, more than 19 million Americans are actually affected by an anxiety disorder. And again, there's five specific anxiety disorders. <clears throat> Take a guess. Look at Dr. Google. Um, write down your answers. If you're on Spotify, you should be able to put your, little, your answer in the little space below. If you're on Apple... Call Apple and tell them to finally add this feature because I want y'all to participate too. Um, <laughs> so we're going to come back to it again. Name the five specific anxiety disorders. All right, y'all. Now, again, if you uh, have been listening to this pod for a while, you're probably like, okay, now is the time where we get into the questions. No, we are changing <laughs> it up today. <laughs> we're changing it up. I've added another segment. Um, it's called What's the Psych Tea? Uh, and this is basically where we talk about psychology in the news. I pull an article, pull some stats, maybe look at some interviews, bring it, and we talk a little about it, a little bit about it with our guests. Mm. You ready, okay. Piera? I'm ready. This okay. Is, this is nice. So, I mean, you're you're in a lot of the firsts right now. I mean, first Fast and Curious, first What's the Psych Tea? So congratulations. Welcome Thank to the you. family. Thank you. I feel a little special. <laughs> I feel real special. <laughs> So today on What's the Psych Tea, I pulled an article um, from Psychology Today called Coping with Abandonment and the Fear of Abandonment. The article was written by Daniel S. Lobel, PhD. Um, so this article talks a lot about how individuals who feel abandoned sometimes ex can express their pain as anger, such as lashing out or accusations or punishment, and sometimes them, uh, the way that they're communicating. Um may not articulate the fact that they're communicating from a space of feeling abandoned or a fear of feeling abandoned. Um, but sometimes it ends up pushing the people that love them most away. So the article had a really interesting like back and forth dialogue. So I'm going to read that out to you. I should have sent this to you so we could go back and forth and act it out, but it's too late. Okay. <laughs> no difference. <laughs> so the dialogue is basically between two friends. Um, one's name is Mira. The other's name is Bree. So um, Mira says, you weren't there for me when I needed to. And Brie asks, when was that? Mira says, forget it. Brie says, I don't know what you're talking about. Mira says, that's a part of, this is a part of the problem. And Brie replies, I want to know if I hurt you or if I could be a better friend. And Mira says, you should have thought about that before. I wish I never met, met you. Whew. So if you're listening and maybe you've had this conversation with a friend, a family member, um, and you might be Mira or you might be Brie in this situation. Um, but in this particular situation, Mira is expressing her anger that Brie is not available to her at some vulnerable moment. Um, and she's kind of punishing Brie for not being mm -hmm. there. 
Um, and Mira's probably going to get the opposite of what she wants. But I'm, Pierre, I want to hear kind of like your your thoughts on this interaction going back and forth. Like, have you ever had this experience before? I have seen this a lot with my adolescents that I work with. And it's just kind of like, I needed you with thing, And it's just like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? And then they like shut it off and they don't want to continue the conversation. Mm. But it's just like, if you want someone to be there for you and you're getting upset about it, they have to know that, you know, they need yeah. to be there. You have to speak up about that. Like, I know it's hard, but sometimes you just find any situation because you're afraid of like the response. Yeah. And I, we definitely like have a conversation. Like when patients come it's like, yeah, she just wasn't there and asked me and, and she just ignored me. I'm like, well, did you tell her what was wrong? No. Well, how mm. is she supposed to know? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There, there's where the issue lies. I don't know how she's supposed to know. She's supposed to read my mind. I don't know. Yeah, and so it's just like if you want the support from somebody, yeah, it's like it's very it's a vulnerable feeling. But if you want to like have support from somebody, then reach out to them. Let them know you need that. Let them know you're struggling. But then like also like it's just like you can't be mad at your friend if they didn't know. And that happens a lot. And you just be, and someone genuinely could be like, I, I didn't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you seemed fine. I mm. I thought you were just a regular day. And, and meanwhile, they're like punching air in the back. Yeah. But there's yeah. some people also like manipulate, like not manipulate, but like frame, like shape the convert, like shape the situation so that it's an excuse for them to get out of that like relationship, whether it's a friendship mm. or stuff like that. So people intentionally do it and be like, yeah, she wasn't there. She wasn't a good friend. So I just, I couldn't be her friend anymore. Mm. Like creating an excuse, creating an out. I have been in relationships where people do create like situations, like problems between us and to create an out because they're going through something, but they don't know how to communicate it. So they create things against me and I'm like I'm confused like what's happening yeah and it's just like if you if you are going through something then just say that you don't have to push me away and make me mad at you so that you can deal with whatever you're dealing with or you're afraid to come to me yeah I definitely have that happen to me oh that's interesting and it also reminds me I know we were talking a little bit about love is blind before we actually (laughs) hopped into the episode but it reminds me about um and now I'm forgetting uh Zaneb if anybody's watching season three of Love is Blind, y'all know that I love reality dating shows, like particularly ones that are just like, are focused on like a new aspect of dating, like mm-hmm. Love is Blind, 90 Day Fiance, Married at First Sight, all of those things. So latest ep- latest season of Love is Blind just wrapped up. I've binged the whole thing. Um, and there's two characters. There's Zainab and Cole. And the whole season, I mean, they've had some like very unhealthy interactions, would you say? Yeah. Wait, which one? Okay, which one is Cole? So Cole is the white guy with like brown hair, blue eyes, and he's kind of like he's oh, painted that's as like kind of scruffy. Guy. Yeah, yes. a little scruffy okay. looking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. Interesting interaction between yes. both of them. Yeah. So spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to this particular episode, just hit plus 15 and just skip this piece. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But um, Zainab, the whole season has really, I don't want to say she's painted him as a villain, but she's really um, put a lot of blame on Cole that yeah. he's like lowered her self-esteem and, ha- and um, 
really like hasn't treated her well and has been very disrespectful body shamed her body shamed her a lot of things which he he told the girl that he proposed to that she was a nine and that the girl that was more quote-unquote attractive than her was a 10 which is not something that you should be doing at all like very probably not for the show that's called love is blind like you can't you cannot renege on the show where you're supposed to emotionally connect with someone and be like oh man i should have chose her you don't know you don't see her (laughs) you're on the wrong show you should have went to love island you filled out the wrong application yes yes um so at the end of the show though on the um on the reunion, Zainab real. Oh, I'm not even going to talk about the reunion. I'm going to talk about the wedding. Okay. All right. So, okay. Spo- again, spoiler alert. They get up there. The guy says, "Okay, Zainab, do you take him to be your husband for life?" Blah blah blah. And she goes, "No." But sis doesn't stop there. She reads him for eight to twelve weeks of filth, or however long they were together, and she made this man feel this big, like three inches tall. I mean, she basically was like, you're disrespectful. You um, have like basically made me hate myself in this this past eight weeks. And this man's jaw is like on the floor. Like what's happening? Yeah. His whole family there is minus his parents. Her whole family is there. She reads him for filth. I mean, she could have told him this after, but then she walks out and as she's walking out, all her friends are like hearing like, yes, girl, you stood up for yourself. Like everybody kind of knew it was happening. Oh, and then she had the audacity but i think it was ghetto but my friends like applauded i was like how was that ghetto yeah what what and what (laughs) What is that mean (laughs) i'm like what i I think it was ghetto my friends applauded yeah that's a whole nother episode um (laughs) so it reminded me uh like reading this article reminded me a little bit of that situation where she kind of felt at the whole the whole season i felt like she just kept bringing him close and pushing him away, bringing him close and pushing him away. And then not really being clear about why she was pushing him away. Yeah. You know, but then we get to the reunion and, you know, she, she goes in on him a little bit more and she's like, like chest up, like kind of proud of like what she's done. Yes. And, and everyone's like, has her back because of the narrative. And then the tangerine, the tangerine is what got her. The tangerine incident. Yeah. I was waiting when they showed the clip. I didn't think they were going to show it. Waiting. I didn't either. I was just like, oh man, we're missed out. And they were like, tangerine incident. And I was like, waiting. I was like, oh, I see the tangerines. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> I was prepared. Like popcorn him. moment. Like, Oof. I was like, yeah, it's going to go down. Like, ooh, the long little snip. <laughs> but I can't wait. And I'm sitting there waiting. And he didn't. The way she described it was not how it went. It was not what happened. Yeah. Was not. And and he was like, when she was like, yeah, I haven't ate anything. We had a banana. He was so concerned. Like, oh, yes, a banana. That's it. That's he was so concerned. And then he was playfully trying to fit in your wedding dress. Because as all women say when they're getting, you know, when they yeah. get, when they're getting oh my married, gosh, I gotta lose I'm gonna weight. Win, wait, I gotta fit into my dress. I have to make sure I can fit because I got fitted at this point. So I have exactly. to maintain this because I don't want to get it tailored. Yeah. It was just not what she I described. I was expecting so much more. Me too. And it went off and I was like, 
And then I felt bad for him because it was such, I felt like it was a very sweet, he kept trying to make these like sweet interactions happen, happen, no, you know? The scene after like they finally met each other and then they were in the shower and he like made a little heart in the yeah. shower and he goes, hey, it's cold and Zineb forever. And it was like, oh, that's kind of cute. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and she's just like glaring at him. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you child. Was, like she just act, treated him I, like And he like kisses child. the thing. I like that was like really yeah. cute and like very playful. And and she was not, she's just like, you didn't cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> It was just all very confusing, and I was I wasn't really sure like what or who to believe, and yeah. I was just like something is I don't know what it is. Like he's definitely done some stuff that is not great, but she's no angel either. Like she hasn't yeah, been no. nice to him at all. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like she's just like toying back and forth with him. Um, yes, I definitely was saying that they need to have like I guess I hope next season. I don't. I doubt they will because. But I think they need to have like a marriage counselor. So like yeah. you go from the pod to like you and like your uh, partner together, and then you transition like to the outside world. But you have to attend like marriage counseling, couples counseling. Yeah, that's what they do in ninety day in uh, Married at First Sight, and they have to go to these sessions, which I feel like helps. It helps whether or not they're gonna like stay together. Yeah, it helps like them communicate in a way that's that's healthy because it, it just got to a point where it's just like, okay, y'all are toxic. It's two days before the wedding and y'all every are single it. person on the like they have issues like they have like yeah. some personal issue that they're hoping will be fixed by someone who loves them unconditionally yes that's the thing that they're looking for the band-aid and that band-aid for them is marriage and like oh marriage is yeah. just gonna be the like duct tape I that fixes my whole life <laughs> to compliment me and support me no matter what and this and i'm just like no no that's but if they helpful. add a marriage couple counseling or something yeah. i feel like that would like take it up a notch i agree i feel like they have to change after this season because i feel like not i feel like this wasn't the best season it was not i mm-hmm. kind of count on love is blind to be my like slightly toxic lower level of toxic show like i'm really looking for honest interactions and yeah. like not for producer produced moments super produced moments like i know this camera it, is, no it this season it was it's something because i watched the second season and i was like it was it wasn't bad it was actually a good season second season wasn't bad i was more into it than i was in this season like i watched it the same way oh i gotta fold laundry or i gotta you know do some cleaning let's yeah. have it on the background second season i was still like i would freeze i would watch yeah. this season i just was still doing things and like, oh, I missed something important. Let me re like I rewound it about like and restarted about three times because it was yeah. just so like yeah. very just mediocre. Yeah. I was kind of hoping they were gonna add more couples because I really feel like I don't know, they missed they missed the mark this year. Um it was just like they got another version of Shake from last season who is all yeah. very rude and very focused on like her weight and how she looked and like oh I usually date this type of person and you're not her but my family wants me to date people like you so I'm gonna do it because that's what I'm supposed to do like no anyways okay let's get back to this oh I (laughs) definitely forgot that we were talking about our therapy and and mental health and anxiety and stuff on distraction so with this particular article I know that's where we kind of started um it talks, like we said, about um, fear of abandonment and for people that deal with abandonment. And it had a couple of different tools uh, that people with this particular fear can use. So um, context, context, 
contextualization. I promise I can read y'all contextualization. Um, and that's when someone being temporary, temporarily unavailable, it's describing when someone being temporarily unavailable is not the same as abandonment. So when feeling abandoned, going back to the dialogue that we were talking about earlier, Mira can ask herself about the context of her feel feelings, recognizing that Brie was available the next day and might, might have been more available if she knew that Mira was hurting can diminish the pain of feeling abandoned. abandoned. And I feel like that goes into like actually communicating and mm -hmm. not Always. assuming this picture kind of like Zineb creating a story in your head like you're yes. creating like the convert you're like you're having a conversation with that person in your head and you've already created the answers for them mm. versus having that conversation out loud yeah and it might go in a different direction exactly exactly and the other thing um other tool which I thought was a bit blunt um but then I thought about it a little bit longer I was like okay the other tool is talking about is just learning to be happy alone um, I feel like that's really easy to say to somebody that's feeling mm -hmm. abandonment or has abandonment issues. Uh, but it talked about the long-term relief from experiencing feelings of abandonment um, can be obtained by improving your relationship with yourself so that you can induce feelings of security and satisfaction without the need of another person. Um, and I guess that's not to say like you can't be lonely, but I think the secure thing is important and like being secure by yourself so the that incessant need for somebody else yeah. is not as strong. I it it I was uh, did a workshop yesterday and someone had mentioned being alone but not lonely. I think it's that mm. that kind of idea, but that's kind of like an end goal. Like when you're in therapy for abandonment issues, I feel like that's the like one of the end goals is to yeah. be comfortable being alone, but understanding that you're alone but you're not lonely. Yes. Yes, I feel like introverts. Or is really it like, being lonely, but not you're not alone? I think it's being alone, but not being lonely. I have a friend. Um, I think that I, I can't just remember. Happen to be alone. Yeah, and she's like, I'm not. There you lonely. go. Yeah, like, I can just yeah, that's what myself. it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, that's but I feel the like end it goal. takes a lot. Yeah, that's the end goal for sure. So if you want to check out the article that I was that we were just discussing, uh, take a look in the description. Link will be there. Uh, but I want to get into. Our main topic today, which is art therapy. The so meat Pierre, and potatoes. <laughs> the meat and potatoes <laughs> of this episode. Um, so like I said earlier, Pierre is an art therapist. And um, I want to know, like, what, how did you, did you stumble upon art therapy? Was it something that you knew you wanted to do? Or are you an artist who's like, oh, I can also help people? Like, how did you end up uh, as so art such therapist? a great question. It's a great story behind it. Oh, I'm excited. All right, so I've always been like a little creative, not a little, but I've always been a creative person. But I knew like long-term, like, well, people around me, you know, you would hear artists don't make money. So I was just like, oh, well, then now I was always interested like in the mind and all that stuff. So I ended up going to undergrad and my goal was to do a double major in psychology and education because I like working with kids. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be a school teacher, but I was like, psychology seems like it makes sense like as a teacher you should have a little background on like like therapeutic like things and kind of like how individuals are raised how they work their mind but the program was really intense so I had to choose and I chose psychology so I'm in like gone through like my first year second year and I was about to start my I was ending my third year mm -hmm. 
I believe. And I needed just an extra elective. And I was like, I really liked ceramics because I had took it in high school. But again, I hadn't focused on art because I was like, I'll, I'll be a therapist. And I took a ceramics course and the professor's like, you're really good. And I was like, thank you. I really like art. And he's like, what are you in school for? Like, what do you, what's your major? I was like, therapy. He goes, have you heard of art therapy? And I was like, what? No. <laughs> so um, like as I was entering like my senior year, but um, like starting the second half of my junior year, I made a transition and I transitioned to majoring in art and I just decided to minor in psychology. I had enough credit. So I was like, I'm done with it. Like it was, yeah. the courses were really boring, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, they're so boring. <laughs> and I was like, do I have enough credits just to minor in it? And they're like, yeah. Like if I wanted to, I could have double majored like art right. and psychology, but I was like, it's so boring. Let's just minor in it and be good. Yeah. And so like my second semester of my junior year and then my senior, I actually did all my courses so that I could graduate on time and major in art. And while I was in my senior year, I applied to the art. I applied to Pratt, NYU and the Art Institute because as an art therapist, you need to go for the master's program. So I was like, all right, cool. So I did my research. I was like, no GRE. Shorty mm-hmm. don't know how to take tests properly. So and <laughs> hey, I, those, I did... <laughs> those tests are not for everybody. Yeah, I was like, no GRE. I didn't want to pay and I don't I don't like tests. I can't do tests. Mm. So I was like, oh, no GRE, beautiful. And I did my research on like each school and I was like, I want to go to a city. So that's why I was like New York area and Chicago area were my two, my, uh, my choices. Mm-hmm. And before I graduated, I got accepted to the Art Institute and I was like, all right, this is going to happen. So it was like a very spontaneous time in the place situation. Like I've never heard, I never had heard of it. And I was like, oh, this is meant for me type of situation. Yeah. So I was just like, and boom. That's so cool. Yes. Shout out to that professor that was like, what do you do? Yeah. Cause he was just like, why are you not in my, basically it was like, why are you not in my class? (laughs) You should be here. That's that's what it was. He was like, why are you not here? Because he's like, you're really good at this. I was like, oh yeah, no, like I I like art. Um, but he just like no. Yeah. It was like him, like, you need to be here type of thing. Oh, that's nice. That's awesome. Like what for somebody that's listening that um has never heard of art therapy, or for somebody like me who's like, I kind of know what it is, but I don't really know. Like, how do you you meet somebody on the street? People ask you that like age old question, what do you do? How do you describe mm-hmm. art therapy? Okay, so I always remind them that first off, I am a therapist. So it's because that always within like the mental health world, like working in the hospital and stuff, they don't see any expressive therapists like a yoga, music, art therapist, like record. They don't see us as therapists. They just see us as the people who bring all the fun and crafts and activities. So I always preface that I am a therapist first. Mm -hmm. I just use the art making process, art material as my tools, in addition to having kind of face-to-face conversations. So if someone has a hard time with just initiating conversation, we're going to break the ice with art, like automatically breaking the ice with art. Using art in different like creative mediums is a great way to build immediate rapport with someone, to build that trust that you need to have. Because I know for some people that idea of, I don't know this person, and I have to immediately talk to them, it's Mm -hmm. hard. But when you're like going through art therapy or music therapy, there's like a nice 
oh, I'll, you know, I'll paint a little picture, but I might not talk to you. But mm-hmm. then as you're like painting or doing whatever the activities, you're getting more relaxed, you're getting more comfortable. I might throw a, one or two questions out there and then you just start telling me your whole story. Mm-hmm. But I just, that's, that's all it is. I'm a therapist, but I just yeah. have, I have more tools than the traditional therapist to build rapport, to help you process your problems, to help present, like present things to you, to make you think differently. Yeah. I, I was an art therapist. Um, my first internship was at a school for children with autism. So I have experience using art as a, as a teaching tool to help individuals like use, um, to work using their communication devices. So I work mm-hmm. with speech therapists, occupational therapists, and they're like, we need to work on these certain muscles. What can we do with that? I'm like, oh, perfect. Or, oh, you want them to use your iPad to communicate? I got you. So I use art as that you know, medium. I've worked at a traditional school in um, Chicago school um, system where the kids, they are like, oh, I love art therapy. I have somebody to talk to. Like you you teach us these things. I feel more confident. And again, they're being supported. They have things to look forward to. And then after I worked in the school, then I work at a behavioral hospital. So I just I did a little bit of everything, seeing yeah. how you can take art therapy in the different like spaces. Yeah, I love that. And I want to get a little bit more into like the different environments, obviously, that you just named that that you've worked in previously. But what other environments or like facilities do would would somebody find an art therapist working in so you can find them a lot of the time you see them at hospitals I've known like um, my classmates they've worked in like oncology so individuals who are like struggling with cancer they've provided art therapy for like their families I've seen I've worked with individuals who've done hospice so I know a music Mm -hmm. therapist who worked in hospice I know an art therapist who worked in hospice same thing kind of working with families and for you know preparing them for and you know the upcoming passing of their loved one or the processing of the like they're going to pass it's inevitable it's going to happen I know people who works um in non-clinical settings so within community centers which I've also done I worked in a art community center and just kind of going out and providing they're like hey come over and do some you know open art making um I know I know like it's just a lot of spaces in prisons at hospitals and schools yeah community centers businesses uh one of my cousins she works for like the air force and she asked me to come like do art therapy for some of her like soldiers that she's over to help them kind of work on self-care Wow, that's so awesome! It it like if you can fit yourself in there, it belongs there. Oh, I like that. <laughs> that was good. Yes, that I is, do. Yeah. I I, were, I like I'm going back in the new year, but I've provided open art therapy at a restaurant. Wow, just like to restaurant employees, or like you were just at the restaurant and people. I'm at the restaurant, and, and it's like come, you know purchase your ticket and then come do open art therapy and you can also buy yourself like a cocktail or some like food and you can come and just chill with us and that's like the community aspect of it but like if you could fit yourself in the space you belong there honestly yeah i'm like it's so many areas there's no specific like if you are able to like figure out how you could take your skill set you fit you belong there yeah oh that's like and it's perfect for somebody that is creative to just be able to like flex in like move and different and be just like very I don't know what's the word adaptable Mm -hmm. to be able to be in different spaces that's very cool so I want to get into like your like for you as an art therapist I know of course with art there's different is it modalities like different art different types of art media yeah you know what 
That's what I, I was telling. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in my head, I'm thinking like finger painting or like old school with a crayon or like sculpting, like ceramics. Like what do you, do you only work it with like a couple of different, couple forms of media or is it pretty much like open you know okay so because i do work at a behavioral health center there are certain materials i cannot use okay. like needle and thread and mm-hmm. pipe cleaners because i do work with individuals who have recently struggled with like suicidal ideation and mm-hmm. actively making suicidal attempts so there are certain mediums that i cannot use mm-hmm. so currently i have like a little cr- a milk crate and in my milk crate, I'm just going to tell you what I have in my milk crate. Mm-hmm. I got watercolor paints. I have oil pastels. I have color pencils, markers, crayons. I love to bring stencils. I bring origami. Mm-hmm. And then I'll bring, like, I also have puzzles. Because some people aren't comfortable with, like, using, like, doing the art. Cause, like, especially adults. They don't, they're like, oh, art's for kids. I'm like, well, I got word searches, mazes, Sudoku. Like, you right. do that. <laughs> I like I will, that. I'll accept that. And so those are the things that I like carry around. And sometimes we'll do like specialty kind of groups for some of the patients. Some and we we call it a snack and paint, not a sip and paint, because we also work with individuals who are struggling with substance use. So okay. we do a snack and paint. So we'll go out, we'll buy like little mini easels, and I will guide them through like a group kind of like like a legit. You're at a like a, a sip and paint, but a snack and paint for the hospital. I'll have like the image, and I will walk them through the process of how to create it themselves. We do like it's a little bit of everything. It's just certain things you have to think about. Mm-hmm. If I were doing a non-clinical, I have way more, but also I really don't. And then I don't like glitter. That's just a personal thing. So oh, I don't. I, I don't. I don't like glitter. I don't like glitter. <laughs> Are you like don't get <laughs> glitter everywhere? Like once it gets somewhere, it gets everywhere. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes so, me happy if I just like see it pop like up glitter. somewhere. <laughs> but in my non-clinical, I have like way more like art material. Like I have like pipe cleaners, the googly eyes, the fuzzy. Like I have the stuff that you would typically see, like feathers. I have things you can make bracelets and necklaces. So things that I don't have at the hospital setting, mm-hmm. I actually implement in my non-clinical groups that I do outside of work. And so with the clinical versus non-clinical. So obviously clinical is like you're in the hospital setting or like an, an inpatient or maybe an outpatient setting. Mm-hmm. But for a non-clinical, is is that like usually one-on-one? Is that group therapy? Like, does that happen like at an office or like what what does that look like? So for a clinical, you are working with like doctors. You have like set treatment goals that you're trying to like accomplish. Whereas non-clinical, I'm not addressing like let's say you are struggling with like suicidal thoughts. We won't have that conversation because. In that space, it's non-clinical, but I could uh, refer you to someone who can assist you with that. I will be addressing kind of more general concerns that more people have. And I do my stuff in a group setting. So we're going to work on like, you know, loving ourselves and what self-care looks like and, you know, working on improving communication. Like that's in that um, non-clinical. But for my clinical, we are addressing certain things. How do we work on our negative thoughts? What are some things that we can do instead of, you know, doing acting on these behaviors and stuff like that for my little ones because i am at the hospital i work at i work with children as young as five and it goes up from there so for my little ones we're working on you know sharing behaviors how do we ask for help stuff like that and it's just like should we be punching someone because we didn't get the pencil 
No, mm-hmm. we should not. So that's like the difference. But overall for clinical, there's a treatment team. There are specific goals that we are working towards. This is what we're focusing on. Whereas non-clinical, I have a little more free range. I'm just not pinpointing specific issues that the person might have. and But I can refer them to someone specifically. Okay. Thank you. That's a great breakdown. I want to go back to, um, you mentioned like within a clinical setting, um, there is a treatment team. And so how do you fit in to that wider treatment team? And who else is, is, who else is at the table? All right. So listen, we're technically supposed to be part of the treatment team, but again, they don't see expressive therapists as therapists. Mm. And majority of hospitals, I've come across a lot of like my peers who struggle with that, that we are seen as therapists. So sometimes they are part of a treatment team. So the school I worked at for children with autism, I was part of that. I went to kind of like the discussions where I talked to the music therapists, occupational therapists, like their um, teachers, the doctors who work with them. I was part of that team. And it was nice because you check in with the patient and you say, hey, I've noticed these changes. And you know, did you change a medication or is there like a situation at home? It's like you're being and they can come to you and say, hey, I want to work on this. Can we focus on this? Mm-hmm. At the hospital I work at, technically, you know, we don't go to those meetings. But because me and uh, my department has developed a good rapport with like the nursing staff and the social workers, we have our own mini clinical team okay. where if I notice like, hey, you know, are you this patient's social worker? And it's like, yes. And like, I have a question, like this rose up in my group today. Mm. And it's like, oh, I didn't notice that. So that's like the one plus of my department and like our relationship with the space. Now, everyone above us, like administration, they might not include us, but we have created that for ourselves. And that's how it should be because there are certain things that like the, and they're also assigned to therapists, So they have like their own therapist. There are some things that a therapist might miss that I might pick up on Mm -hmm. just because we have like a different rapport. Yeah. And when you say therapist, you're talking about somebody that may be doing like talk therapy, like CBT. Yes. Yes. So sometimes I'll like reach out to them and be like, hey, this person brought this up to me. You know, did you have it? Have you talked about it? It's like, no, she brought it up. What did she tell you? And I'm like, yeah, this is something you might want to look out or watch out for. Or, hey, you know, during their admission, I read that this during their intake, I read this, but I'm not sure. I'm picking up on these kind of signs. Is there like a Mm. history of psychosis? And they're like, we've been discussing that. Thank you for like, you know, your what you've observed type thing. But I wish we were technically more involved in that process, but it's just the view of like expressive therapy. The thing that is like the most difficult part is, yeah, we're creatives. We're the fun ones, but we also are very serious and we are educated in how to use the specific tools that we present to the patients. Right. Wow. And that, that's awesome that, that you are, that you have been able to, in the space that you're in now, to be able to carve out and still mm-hmm. be a part of that conversation, even if it's not the wider conversation. Yeah. Um, that is very interesting that, that you guys can kind of get shut out to a certain degree. Oh, um, to a, a big degree. It's, it's really degree. crazy. We are okay. always the last to know. Mm. Like when changes are happening on the units or it's just like, Hey, we're changing the schedule, make it work. And it's like, what oh wow yeah like what are you talking about like oh we gotta okay so that especially like during like COVID it's been a lot of changes and it's just like we're a very important 
I consider us a very important part to like the flow of the hospital and kind of like stuff like that. So I'm just like, eh, eh. Yeah. And that's one of, one of the struggles of being like a creative therapist. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about, I know you've, you've kind of said two different terms, like creative therapist, expressive, expressive art therapist or expressive therapist. What, what is that? And like, what are some of the other people that are in that? Oh yeah. So expressive therapy is like an umbrella term. So when I started my job, they're like, oh, you're the expressive therapist. I'm like, I'm I'm an art therapist, but it's an overarching umbrella of all the different modalities of therapy. So like I said, mentioned earlier, you have art therapy, music therapy, dance, recreational, you have yoga therapy. It's just a different creative form of therapy. And so express, Mm -hmm. I balance between expressive therapist and creative therapist. It's just but it's the uh, expressive therapist is that overarching umbrella that kind of puts us under there. Okay. That's super interesting. Um, and by the way, if you're listening and you are an expressive therapist and you do like dance or recreation, like hit me up. <laughs> um, ideally if you're a black woman, because that's what I like to feature on here. Um, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, hit me up. Um, I'm always looking for people like you that are in these spaces that are, I think, I feel like kind of niched within mm-hmm. mental health, um, but still very much like want to spotlight you guys because art therapy is something that's been very interesting to me. It's been something that I've wanted to try. And I was always curious, like, can I just like sign up for art therapy? <laughs> Do I have to have like a recommendation to go to no. art therapy? Like, what so, does that look like? Um, well, referring back to you asking about like having a dance movement, I actually know someone. Her name oh. is Christina Fontanelli. She went to school with me. We we're both art therapists, but then she also did dance therapy. So I was sending oh, her information. Yes, me too. <laughs> yes. So she does both. She combines art therapy and dance. Okay. In her Perfect. Thank so there's you. that. You're welcome. There's that. <laughs> but um oh, so searching for an art therapist. It's becoming more popular, especially within the POC realm, mm-hmm. the queer POC realm, all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a little rare, but you can go to arttherapy.org um, mm-hmm. and then they have like an area where you can like locate art therapists like near you. I always tell people social media is mm-hmm. helpful, like hashtag art therapy. And you can like go through and scroll because that's how some people found me. They're like looking in like the hashtags, like I found you through this. And so social media is another one. Um, Google's kind of helpful, like art therapists in Illinois, and they put their information out there. It's just a lot of research. Yeah. And yeah, I'll send you some info. I'll send you like some um, like Instagram because there's create black creative express. I always get the name wrong, but it's um. Uh, Instagram page that features Black creative expressive therapists. Oh yes, please send that to me, and I'll make yes. sure it get shared to everybody. Yeah. yeah, so they're like they have that page, and so they highlight like dance or movement, and they like let you know the area that they're in mm-hmm. if you're looking for like a person of color, and then like men and women on there. So I also like I gotta look at because I always say it wrong. It's okay. <laughs> yes, send it to me later, and I'll make sure I add that to the description. By the time y'all are listening to this, just look in the description. Everything you need will be there. Um, but I want to get into some of the uh, 
the mental disorders that you've treated with art therapy? Because I think Mm -hmm. that might be somewhere where somebody's like, okay, well, art therapy is cool, but how can it be used? And and who can, you know, who can take, who can do art therapy? Mm -hmm. So anyone, I actually, the current job that I am, I've been there for four years. I actually chose to work this job for more experience working with individuals with diverse kind of needs. So I've done art therapy with individuals with autism. I've worked with individuals who are struggling with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, aggressive behaviors. I've, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. I haven't done a lot of use, use of art therapy with individuals who have eating disorders, but there are individuals who specialize in that. I've used art therapy to address trauma. Um, When I worked at my elementary school, we focused on gun violence Mm. because someone had recently experienced that and we were processing it. And in the neighborhood that they were in, a lot of them had experienced it. So addressing certain traumas, I've used art therapy to engage individuals who struggles with substance, whether that's opioid addiction or alcohol abuse. I've, I've touched on a lot of things. Yeah, so it could be helpful or beneficial. One, to help people kind of process their experiences, whether if they're using like a substance, their relationship with the substance, their history with the substance, and then how that has impacted their family relationships. I have individuals who are struggling with like a psychosis. It's so interesting. I don't, I need to, I don't like doing research, but I found <laughs> that doing origami with individuals who are schizophrenic, they're like zoned in. Really? Like they're able to focus. They're super grounded. I don't know what it is, but they love it. And I'm just like, you want to do origami? <laughs> yeah, that's so cool, though. It's cool that you've kind of figured out like different disorder, people that have different disorders and different disorders it, kind of like connect. It was interesting because I had like a patient. He kind of comes and goes, but he doesn't talk. He, uh, I can't remember what his specific um, diagnosis is, but I know it's um, it's his some sort of psychosis. And one day he's like, hey, you know, I remember you. You did oh, origami wow. with me. And I was like, yes, oh, I did. <laughs> he's like, awesome. do you have it today? And I'm like, no, but I could bring it next time. He's like, yeah. I'm just like, he really enjoyed wow. that we sat and made origami. And I was just like, and the staff that was with me, she was like, he hasn't said a word since he's been here. Oh, my gosh. I would have been was, crying. I was like, oh, snap. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was just like, it's just certain things just kind of like, or, and just that, like, that that interaction that some people have, if they just really feel special in that moment, like, you really paid attention to me. I remember, you know, when I was, like, a little bit younger, I was here, and you sat, you helped me with this. So there's Aww. also that component of feeling, like, seen yeah. when going through that creative process. But I do a little bit of everything. I use art therapy a little bit of everything. Yeah, It's just... But there are therapists who specialize in just special things. Like I had mentioned earlier, like individuals with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Some art therapist specialty is like with trauma. Some people mm-hmm. only like specialize in using art therapy for um, individual autism. So, mm-hmm. but in the behavioral health, I got to adjust to all of it. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting. I'm sure that there are situations where you have been like, wow, this person, because when I think of art therapy, I think of, tapping into a different part of somebody's brain because I feel like you know you're talking to a therapist and it's um you're doing talk therapy and it is just that it's talking not to say Mm -hmm. that it's not helpful I definitely think it's helpful like I'm in therapy now but for when it comes to 
being artistic even if you're not like quote unquote good at art mm -hmm. I feel like just like drawing and painting and letting your mind kind of like free has got to be like like you mentioned earlier like taking down some of those like walls like mm -hmm. being a little bit more vulnerable but I feel like in your brain there's got to be something different going on where it's kind of like I just picture like a mechanism that's like trick, 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 like opening, <laughs> like opening up pieces that wouldn't necessarily get open through talk therapy or medication. Yeah. And it's also because in um, a recent workshop I did, we were talking about not having the vocabulary mm -hmm. and to communicate specific needs or wants or certain things you're struggling with. Yeah. Because a lot of times we don't have the vocabulary, we don't know. And I also understand that's why there's so many like therapy buzzwords that float around that gets like manipulated because they're like, I'm so excited. I have a term that I can use, but it's like misused and overused. But I get it. We all want to have vocabulary to say like that connects to our experiences. Yes. And so that's like the benefit of art therapy is that you don't often need to have the vocabulary to say what your experience has or what you felt in that moment. You can do it through art. You can, you can just do it through kind of just like, I, I don't know what this is, but this is how this made me feel. Mm -hmm. And, and I will be there to help you and guide you to break down. Okay. So you said, this is this moment, describe the moment. Now in that moment, I need to know this and I'll ask you certain questions to help you develop and expand that vocabulary. But yeah, I think that's what it is, honestly. It's just not having the vocabulary and not being able to structure what you need to say because it is so much in the mind, especially if you like experience intense trauma. Like Sometimes certain things are closed off in the mind. Mm -hmm. If you're struggling with psychosis, you don't know. Or if you're so emotional, it's a, there's a disconnect from the mind and the body sometimes. So it's just yeah. so many things that plays a part in everything being jumbled up, up in, like, in your brain. Yeah, no, that's, yes, it's... It's very interesting. I feel like I want to go find an art therapist after this. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about like for somebody that may be listening and they're like, oh, this is super interesting. I'm curious, like what does an art therapy session look like? And maybe you can talk a little bit about like if there is a major difference between clinical and non-clinical. I know we talked about the actual materials being used, but for somebody that's like, I don't know what to expect. Do I go in? Do we sit down? Do you ask me, like, what do you want to draw? Like, how does that work? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there are, like, directed act art activities, and then there's an open aspect. So open art therapies were, is what I do at the restaurant, the non-clinical space. I'll just bring a bunch of art material, and you come, and you just kind of go through the materials or whatever. It's just like, I, I want to use Play-Doh today. You can just use the Play-Doh for the open space. But it's just kind of going at your own pace, and whenever you're ready to engage with the art, here you go go with that a more directed well I'll give you like a prompt whatever the prompt is um I'll give you like one of my favorites so we're going to create postcards on one side you are going to write a letter to someone whom has hurt you whom you've hurt who you have some things you want to say you want to get off your chest whatever it is you're writing a postcard to the individual and so that's the writing component and so that's generally one of like the hardest the more difficult activities that I have that I use in a clinical setting. Cause sometimes a lot of people are there because they've hurt people or people have hurt them, have caused them so much trauma. So it's their opportunity to get whatever's on their chest off their chest. 
And then on the opposite side, you're going to decorate the postcard. And so this is a way to kind of decrease all of like the stress that you went into writing. So you can, or it can reflect the same thing that you wrote on the opposite side, but that is like a more directed activity. Art therapy kind of is like a, for me, I use it more directed in the clinical setting because I have certain goals that I want to see certain things that I'm like, okay, for this activity, I want to see how good are they at using it's like being independent and choosing their material or are they just basing it off of their friends? If I'm working mm. like the adolescents and stuff, or I want to see how well they're able to kind of, um, time manage. I'm going to like say, all right, we got time to do this. Let's focus on this and let's see if you're able to focus. I want to see if they're able to stay in their space. So I always have a goal, something that I'm doing in the hospital setting, the clinical setting, I have a goal that I'm trying to accomplish and I want to assess while they're making the art. Sometimes I also let them do open art and I, I'm still observing certain goals, but in the open setting, sometimes I'm like, all right, we're going to focus on just how do we prepare ourselves for life? Yeah. I recently did a workshop where we made like little magazines, little zines, and it was like in preparation for winter. What are some things you need to feel prepared for the winter time? Mm. Yeah, so you can go both ways. You could be very open on your first session. It could just be very general. Just, hey, I just want to get to know you. But sometimes you're just like, hey, I noticed that we had a conversation about your anger. Let's do an art activity about anger and we'll mm -hmm. have a conversation about it. Wow. It's just, it could just, it, it, it could hit a lot of spaces. So yeah. it just depends on like who you're working with and kind of, yeah, it hits a lot of spaces. If somebody's um listening to this and they, they're thinking they want to do art therapy, but they're on the, maybe they're kind of on the edge. Like maybe they've done, never done any type of therapy before. Maybe they've ran the whole gamut of therapy. They've done, they've been on SSRIs. They've seen a psychologist. They've seen everybody but they've never done an expressive type of therapy mm -hmm. can you give me one or two sentences of what you would say to that person to yeah what you would say to that person that's somewhat considering starting to consider expressive art therapy i would just say do it <laughs> i love that straight <laughs> to the point do it just do, do it. it like i mean and i always tell people because people are just like I've, I've tried a therapist i didn't like them i'm like finding a therapist is like you know driving a car like you each a specific style of therapy like is not the same as everybody else mm -hmm. i'm a very I'm a little blunt with my patients a little bit, but that's if we have a good rapport build, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a little more blunt. For some people, they don't like the blunt therapist. Like, I have, like, patients who are just like, eh, mm, she's a little yeah. too honest for me. Yeah. But, so, you like, you might not like their style of therapy, which mm -hmm. happens. And so, I'm like, I never say, like, you've tried one, you haven't tried them all, because they're all different. Right. Everybody brings their own little. They do. Yeah. <laughs> like and people are like, I want to try therapy. I'm like, you might yeah. not like my style of therapy. Like art, right. as art therapist, you might like another person's style of art therapy. And so like, you might not like the blunted or the straightforward or like the looseness of how I do my art therapy groups. You might yeah. want something super structured and like, this is what I need. So yeah. I would say, just try it, see what happens. And, yeah. I, and everyone's concerned is like, it's so expensive. And I'm just like, there are also resources like Open Path is a good one that it sets you up for like discounted. Like, so there are some therapists who offer their services for like $30 a session. 
Okay. And that was the other thing I wanted to get into was like, what does the cost look like? And then what are some, some, what are some, yeah, some resources that may help like mitigate that cost? Get hung, pull up my list. Cause I know yes. Open Path is one that provides like assistance if you're looking for a therapist. It just might take some time, mm-hmm. but there are like resources. There's another one that I remembered. Hold on. And Open Path oh, is no. just like an online website that you can go to. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I have a list. I have a list. Okay. I created a list okay. of people who are like, I want to try therapy, but I don't know. And I'm like, oh, I have a list. Yes. No, I love that. And I, I will make sure that everything on this list will be in the description. So if this is something that you want to pursue, um, we'll make sure you have everything you need to do that. Yes. Like open path, Loveland foundation, and then if you're like specifically, I don't want a black therapist, just like, or a person of color, like there's a clinicians of color. Now it might not be art therapy, but this is like therapy in general, mm-hmm. like it's just like across the board, like clinicians of color, you got therapy for black boys, melanin therapy. It's a lot of, yeah. It just like research is me search. Who said that? I can't remember his name, but I follow him on TikTok and he says research is me search. And I, oh, like, I that. like that. Okay, and I, I, I can't, that. I can't think of his name, but he, yeah, I follow him on TikTok and he's like, research is me search. Oh, research is me search. Okay. Yeah. So I will make sure y'all have all of that, all of those websites in the description below. Um, but just off the top of your head, what does a typical art therapy session cost? No, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know because I work in the behavioral field. Right. So you're, you're working in a different yeah. billing system. Okay. Are we yeah, thinking cause... like just ballpark $100, $150, $200? Like... It also depends because like I've also like done traditional therapy. So I feel like it would be the same kind of. Okay. Same basic. cost. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like no, and I know it's, it varies. With, it like, does, especially. Yeah, because I'm just like, I'm not going to lie to you. I offer, like, um, when I do my workshops, I just kind of $20 a okay. ticket, and I just, like, cap it at, did I say 15? No, like 10 people. 10 so people. so whenever I do, like, my um, art therapy workshops in Chicago, I'm just like, hey, if you want to get your ticket to reserve your spot, here it is, $20. It's a cap, so first come, first serve. Type okay. Of Let's talk a little bit about those workshops that you're doing. So obviously the workshops are not a clinical setting, um, who are those workshops open to? Is it, is it just to anybody? And it's anyone who has come. I've like always, I always ask like, how did you hear about my workshops? Some of them will say, I was just scrolling on Eventbrite and I found it and I thought it would be interesting. Some people are like, I follow you on TikTok. I follow you on Instagram. I wanted to give it a try. Someone was like, my friend sent me your information and, or they sent me this event and I showed up. Anyone could come if you are interested in working on like, just you're on a mental health journey and you want to try something else, try something out. I think my workshops like are a great introduction to that. If you're mm-hmm. trying to explore art therapy and I, like I had mentioned, like I do a workshop, um, it's a restaurant called pork chop and I would do it every other Thursday. I'm taking a pause for the holidays, but I'll be back in the new year with some adjustments and stuff adjustments but I offer that like every other Thursday where people can come and just be in a space where you are supported by, and you know, a licensed clinical professional who was me and you are there supported and you can ask questions or if you're just like, I needed a break, I needed to relax. I'm like, 
this is that time to vibe out. You know, I'm going to check in on you. I'm going to make sure you're good. I'm going to see how your week was. We'll have small conversations, but it's just, it's not too strenuous. I might have like a goal for like once a month to provide a very like more structured art therapy group. So for like, I did like an art therapy picnic where we were focusing on mindfulness outside and using and being in nature and stuff like that. I did a self-love workshop for Valentine's Day in February. So those are like my once a month are like the structured stuff where you're going to come and it's going to get deep. I recently did a, um, in Waukegan, I work with this plant shop and it's, um, Hispanic owned plant shop, but it's like a very community. She's focused on like mental health, bringing the community together. And I did two workshops. One of the workshops was creating a self, like taking like a terracotta, but doing like collaging on it. And it's like a self care like pot. And so we focus on like things that you need to feel like supported by you, like by like from other people, but also yourself. And then we did an activity where it was Halloween. So for spooky season, we did like inner outer self, but like with masks and we focused oh. on that. So those are like my more directed and like, really like you're, you're going to get into some things. Like you might, the emotions will be flowing. Yeah. Type oh, of things. I love that. And you are based in, remind me, you're based in Chicago. Yes. Okay, cool. All right. So if you're in the Chicago area or near Chicago, like hit up one of these, these workshop sessions. I wish I could go. Like if I'm ever out that way, I will definitely let you know. Okay. So I've like been very, it's, it's kind of hard because I need to find a good platform. But when COVID happened, I did virtual stuff and I want to do more virtual stuff for like my people out of Chicago. But then Mm -hmm. the problem is I also have some international people. So I haven't figured all that out. The logistics of all of that as well. Cause I've had people who are like in London, like I need to come to your groups. And I'm like, then like, you need to do a virtual. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I can help difference. you with that if you need help. And I'm happy yeah. to like, if we want to yeah, do like, like a black girls have anxiety too workshop. I mean, I'm down with that. Like we can do something. I just need to okay. know a platform. Cause before I was using like the Google thing. And so mm-hmm. that was a good one, but I, that one was like more open, but this will be like the same kind of setup as I do my in-person you get yeah. your ticket. You you know, I know the count who's going to show up. I will send yeah. you the link. I have the idea down. It's just the logistics. Okay. Part. I got you. I might, my whole like nine to five is logistics. So we'll talk after oh. this. We, we get, we'll get connected after this. <laughs> yeah. That's like where my, like the little butterflies in my head are like, Ooh, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that would, that would be great. So we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. Um, after this, I, I would love to help you and I would love to like connect my audience to you in that way so we can actually like and I also want to meet some of the people that listen so that would be a nice opportunity Ooh, that would be nice you know um so I want to uh I want to ask you I just have one more question and I have a couple more questions but one in particular <laughs> <laughs> I could keep talking to you for like yeah, we can keep going but I don't want to take your whole, take up your whole day but I really want to know like was is there a specific moment um as an art therapist that you remember that really like touched your heart that really that was I don't want to say validating but that really made you feel like this is where I'm supposed to be I do okay Okay. so it's actually the beginning of like when I first started like actively like after I graduated and stuff so I had completed my internship I did an internship for I think like six months at an elementary school 
And they're like, Miss P, where are you going? I was like, oh, I got to go. You know, my internship is done. I was doing art therapy there. They loved it. Like, can you come back next year? I was like, you know, if 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 your you know uh, principal hires me on board, I'll come back. So I was like doing exchanges. Like, all right, she's like, I'll let you know if it's in the budget. We'll see. Da 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 da. Okay, I get like a call. I think a month. I think in um a month before school started. So like in July, she's like, hey, we want to hire you back on, and I'm like, oh yay, wonderful, great. And so like. I get there, you know, for like my meeting, all that stuff. She goes, yeah, the kids wrote letters to have you come back. <gasps> she said they really, oh really gosh. liked that you were here doing art therapy. They're like, we want Miss P back. We want art therapy. Like, oh we want Miss P back. And I was like, she's like, I honestly brought you back because the kids continue to write letters. Like they all, like every, they were all petitioning the kids, for you. They were petitioning for me to come back and do art therapy. Oh, that's powerful. So I was that's like, a huge oh, I'm, I'm kind of good at my job. Even though, like, <laughs> like I said, I just graduated. Yeah. <laughs> but like, kids oh. don't lie. Kids will either write a letter they to bring don't. you back or write a letter yeah, to be like, no. don't ever and let Miss so P come back. so I got there like, Miss P, you're back. And they used to be so Aww. mad. Because the school I worked at was under service, I went from being like the art therapist to like doing every other job. And they would be so mad. They're like, it's art therapy today, Miss P. Where are you at? And I was like, I, I got to go do this classroom management and like no like you're my art therapist i need art therapy i got things to tell you oh they were ready they were ready to like the kid yes they're like i yes so they by that time they knew like we know why miss p is here miss p is here for me to be able to work stuff out so they understood yes they understood that i come like we broke it down what art therapy is we break it down why we make art how we use art and the time where we're making the art we can have conversations and they took advantage of that time and i was just like oh i like my my gosh oh my gosh that's an awesome story i feel like that's like a like a movie that's that's yeah, so it was cute. so cute. And then because I got so stressed out and I wasn't doing art therapy, I had to change jobs and I miss my babies yeah. every day. Oh my gosh. That's too bad that they weren't able to like let you just do your thing yeah. while you were there. Especially yeah. cuz the kids need it cuz I feel like kids it that takes a lot for for a for a child to be like, "No, we need this because yeah. I know that I need this outlet yes because we i'm really big on like standing up for yourself and having like autonomy of your body and saying no and all these things and so that's definitely like in my little like who because i was given like certain kids to work with mm-hmm. so in that space that's definitely what we like focused on it's yeah. like speaking up and doing these things and i was like i'm so proud of them like they wrote letters. like the like i had like some little second graders up to like the eighth graders and seven wow. like i'm like the babies even wrote letters for me oh, oh. the little bad handwriting oh <laughs> that's so cute that is awesome i i love that and I want to give you your flowers now um, because it's the work you're doing is awesome. And I hope that as time goes on and as, you know, expressive therapy, art therapy, all the dance therapy, all of those under that umbrella, as they become more popular, I hope that the clinical side really sees the value in what you guys do Mm -hmm. um, and really starts to bring you guys into those like very much needed conversations. But um, yeah, I just... I love what you're doing. I can see that you're passionate uh, and that always excites me. And I love seeing like, I love seeing 
you know, black women yes. doing their thing in these spaces. I've been like this year's I've been really big and like hyping myself up because I'm just like, yes, dang, good I'm for doing you. good. So I've been like really hyping myself up. So if people don't like it, I kind of don't care because I'm like, I'm good. I'm damn good at my job. Yes. <laughs> yes. And if anybody's got any questions, they can go talk to the babies at the school because they know. Exactly. Because they will come. They'll like, you ain't, they ain't seen me in a couple. I had like one. He's like, Miss P, I found you. And I was like, oh, oh, oh my gosh. That's so cute. Well, I want to get into the mind games answer. I know oh, we talked yes. about the mind games question earlier, so we're going to circle all the way back to the mind games answer. As a quick refresher, the mind games question is, what are the five specific anxiety disorders? And as a quick recap, according to the DSM-5, excessive anxiety and worry um, or apprehensive expectation occurs more or occurring more than days more than days, I can read, occurring more days than not <laughs> for at least six months about a number of events or activities. So it could be work or school performance, um, but it also describes anxi- anxiety disorders as the anxiety, worry, or physical symptoms that cause clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. And the person finds it difficult to control the worry. Um, the anxiety and worry are associated with three or more of the following six symptoms with at least some symptoms present for more days than not for the past six months. So this, this description is very like wordy because it's coming mm-hmm. from the DSM-5. And if you don't know what the DSM-5 five is, it's basically like the psychology encyclopedia of every definition of every mental illness, disorder. mental disorder. There's some questionable ones in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it changes. <laughs> so DSM-5, when I took like a psychology class a while back, just for fun. Um, and it was the DSM four and it was like Mm -hmm. the year that they had just released the DSM five, but a lot of practitioners were still using the four because there were so many differences in the five anyways. So some of the, um, some of the symptoms are restlessness, uh, feeling like you're on edge, being easily fatigued, difficulty concentrating, having your mind go blank, irritability, muscle tension, or sleep disturbance, for example, difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep a restless, unsatisfying sleep. So if you haven't put in your answers, if you're on Spotify and you haven't put in your answers, go ahead and throw your answers in there. If you don't know all five, throw in the one or two that you might know. Um, In the meantime, um, I am just going to give a little reminder. First, a little thank you to everybody that's listening. And also, if you could leave me a little rating doesn't matter where you're listening. I would really appreciate it. It actually helps a lot. Also, if you could just share it with people that you think may need it. Um, I appreciate it. So, um, and I also appreciate the fact that you've listened this far because I know this has been a long episode, but hopefully you've been having fun like we've been having fun. It's a blast. It's it's been great. It's been great. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the five specific anxiety disorders are... Uh, generalized anxiety disorder, which is when we always talk about on this podcast, Um, phobias. Um, So that could be like arachnophobia, which is fear of spiders. I don't know what it's called when you're fear of, when you have a fear of clowns, but it could be. I don't, there's so many phobias out there. There's so many. Yes. Um, There's a panic disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, which a lot, not a lot of people realize falls under that anxiety disorder umbrella. Um, and then there's post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, so those are the five specific, uh, anxiety disorders. I'll put the link in the description. If you want to nerd out on that information and read 
as much, you know, all the stuff that I'm reading. Um, it'll all be down there. But um, again, I want to thank you, Piera, for coming on the podcast. This has thank been you a for lot having of fun. Me. Yes. <laughs> I want for anybody that's listening, it's like, I love Piera. Like, I want to find out more about art therapy. Or I want to bring you into my space to, you know, maybe do some art therapy or reach out or just follow you um, and follow your journey. Where can they find you? On Instagram, it is P-I-E-R-R-A-D dot, so like a little period, B, and that's on Instagram. And then on TikTok, it's P-I-E-R-R-A-D-B. So Piera D-B and then Piera D dot B. Okay, got that. And we are going to make sure that we've got um, all your information in the description so people can stay connected with you. Um, we'll get connected right after we finish up this episode. Yeah. I feel like, you know, more <laughs> things to me, you know, we, we can get some things going over here. But yeah. um, for everybody that is listening, I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, I want to thank everybody for sharing. Um, if you left a rating, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, as you can see, the, um, the episodes are starting to morph a little bit. So you'll start to see little changes. I'm going to add, I've added a couple new segments today. There may or may not be one more in the works, but I'm really trying to stuff as much goodness into this time that we have together as possible. Um, so I appreciate you sticking around and just kind of rolling with the changes. Um, but yes, thank you so much to everybody that's listening. Thank you to you, Pierre, and thank you to I keep saying thank you. So thank y'all. <laughs> it's November. So it's like it's a giving, know, it's, it's giving a thanks. It's a giving thanks season. Yeah. Thanks. It's a gratitude month. So um, but it will be the holidays when I drop this. So I hope that y'all are having a very happy holiday with you and your family and whatever y'all are celebrating. Um, and I hope y'all are staying safe. And I hope y'all listen to another episode soon. But <laughs> I will talk to y'all soon. Have a wonderful day, night, evening, whatever it may be. And thank you for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety too. So Piera, who has been the amazing guest this episode, um, as you know, is an art therapist. And she is hosting a virtual therapeutic art experience on January 22nd. Again, it's virtual. So it doesn't matter where you are. You can join. The name of the experience is called New Year, Not So New Me. So we are really honing in on maybe just being a better version of ourselves or just being ourselves for 2023 and not putting so much pressure to be a whole new person in January. I will be at this virtual therapeutic art experience with, with my crayons. I'm going to have my colored pencils, my paint, all that good stuff. And I will be there on camera, ready to meet some of you guys. I would love if you could join me. Piera has been so gracious enough to give us a coupon code so that you can get a little discount when you sign up. That coupon code or the promo code is NEW23. That's N-E-W-23. Make sure you hit the link in the description. Go ahead and sign up. Grab your ticket. And there's limited seats. So, you know, don't wait. Don't hesitate. And I will see you on Sunday, January 22nd. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black Girls Have Anxiety 2. No matter where you are in the world, I really appreciate your support. 
See you again on the next episode. But until then, follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Have Anxiety 2 and on Twitter at Anxious Black Girls. That's Anxious BLK Girls. And remember, just because you're struggling doesn't mean you have to struggle in silence. The more we talk about it, the more we heal.